No witty intro this time. We're talking time capsule albums on the uh, Metal Shop Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Metal Shop Podcast with me, Big Frog. Me, Mike Castleberry. And this week we are talking about time capsule albums. That's albums that were important to us for whatever reason at some point. And, you know, we'll we'll uh, discuss the album and talk about the story that goes along with it and whatever. And uh, it should be cool. Yeah, it should be fun. Uh, your original idea was uh, ah, special albums, except yeah. for we're not going to call it special albums. Right, yeah. Because it's like, yeah, it's a... Uh, that'll make us look more special needs yeah. than we already <laughs> Yeah, we don't need are. that. We, we don't need uh, that any more than, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was the one where I just said, fuck it with the intro. Right. I couldn't think of anything cute at that point. Right. So I just, ah. Right. Um, speaking of albums, we, there's a, been a couple of, of uh, new albums came out. The Sons of Apollo album came out. It's some letters. There's X's in it. I don't uh-huh. know. <laughs> and uh, I never, like... I never look beyond that. I'm just like, okay, yeah. Until I have to like Google it or something. It's the new Sons of Apollo. New Sons of Apollo. And then the new album, Dirty Shirley, which is George Lynch and uh, Dino Jelusic is the singer. And he is a Croatian dude. He he sings with Trans-Siberian Orchestra and some other things. And he's a fucking beast. He like I was listening to that shit today, and he like there are moments when he has like a little Dio vibe going, a Ray Gillen, a little Jeff Tate, but for me most of the time he sounds like Coverdale with way more power. Yeah, kind of like that seventies Coverdale. Yeah, and that's and that's a that's a good thing, you know. Yeah, no, you sent me a video for that, and I was like, oh, that's pretty sick. I didn't even, I was so focused on just listening to the singer. Right. I didn't even process the fact that George Lynch was in the band. Right, yeah. I was like, 
it's a random older dude in this band. Right. But so there's a lot of good guitars in it. It's it's like it's got purple roots. Yeah. You know, you can you can see that obvious. But, but uh, man, I dug it. No, it's pretty cool. I'm gonna have to listen to to more of that. Yeah, the Sons of Apollo album. It's just MMXX. That's 2020 and Roman Neutral. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so Should've it's just, just said that. Just 2020. But, yeah. <laughs> Um, and that one, that one's more metal, you know, Yeah. but, uh, so far I like it. I've only given it a couple of spins, but so far I like it. It's really, I mean, you know, it's a lot more complex and there's a lot more shit going on, Yeah. but you know, I like that shit. So, so it's cool. So that's, that's the news as far as, um, new albums go. Uh, every day there's a, there's an Aussie story, you know, um, I'm going to try to tour anyways. Yeah. Oh, I don't think I could tour. I'm not afraid of dying. I think about dying all the time. There's, yeah. I don't know who's reporting all this shit or who's talking to, if anyone's actually talking to him yeah. or what. But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's crazy in the Ozzy camp, I guess right now. Oh, I think Ozzy, I just think he's an erratic person. Yeah. That's just, true too. You, obviously. It depends on what day you catch him. Yeah. Cause yeah. yeah, like you said, you get one minute. Oh, I, I'm, I'm not afraid of death, and then it's like, oh, I'm thinking about it a lot. That doesn't necessarily mean he's afraid of right, right. But he is getting to that age. Well, yeah. Where he's got, he's got a lot more years behind him than in front of oh, him. Oh yeah, yeah. So he's, he's for a limited time only. Yeah, yeah, he's he's not. He's more than likely not going to be with us in 2030 yeah no 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 you know i wouldn't imagine if he gets to if he makes it he's like what 70 right now yeah like if he makes it to 80 i'll that would be, be pretty impressed yeah because he's managed to get this far but he's done a lot of shit to himself yeah you know and i imagine if he got to be 80 he wouldn't be out in public yeah i don't think i mean it's like i think of the fact that like I remember my granddad when he was like 70 mm -hmm. and he looked like, you know, a 70 year old dude, but mm -hmm. he was, he was still very energetic. Right. But when you get to that age, that shit goes quick, dude. Right. Like my grandfather, like all through his seventies, he was super active around 80. He just started slowing Hit down. The wall. Yeah. yeah. And then he just ended up like just very, very frail his last few years and, passed away at 89 right and if you would have asked me when he was 80 i was like oh he's gonna make it to 100 yeah at this rate yeah and this is a guy that took care of himself right right exactly and yeah ozzy's like actively tried to f fuck himself up yeah you know so yeah well like like we said last time you know um best wishes and all that and uh and Ozzy's actually on my first album that I, because um, I'm going to go in chronological order. Okay. So uh, Ozzy's on my first album that I, that was a landmark album for me, and that's the first Black Sabbath album. Yeah. Because um, the first Black Sabbath album came out in 1970, right around the time I was born. So I didn't hear that shit until a lot later, obviously. Yeah. Um, I had... I had uh, switched schools from public school to, to Catholic school in the fourth grade. And it wasn't until about the sixth grade that I had kind of decided on my group of friends, which was going to be Ricky and Lenny. 
and then Ricky's brother Tony, who they didn't really get along, but he became part of our crew because we liked him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even though Ricky did, you know, they were the they were the kind of brothers that were like, "Don't touch my shit." Yeah, that, you know, and uh, so but we brought them together in what would eventually be like our first band, right? But um, but so <laughs> hanging out at Rick at Ricky's house, we went we were going through his mom's records. Which uh, my parents' records would have been like Spanish music and some Elvis or something, yeah. you know. And as far as I know, Lenny's mom didn't have any records that that uh, that we knew of. So when we saw uh, Ricky's mom's stack of records, we started going through them, of course, you know, obviously. And we didn't know what we were looking for, but when we saw that Black Sabbath record, we knew we had found it, you know. Yeah. Because we had to wade through some fucking, uh, some uh, Mamas and the Papas and <laughs> Peter, Paul, and Mary's or whatever. You know, there's some cool shit in there, Santana. You yeah. know, I knew Santana because my family was into it or whatever. Um, but we found that record. And uh, the first thing we did was spin it backwards. Yeah. You know, because for you whatever reason, we already knew that, you know. <laughs> and, you know, and we didn't hear anything. And... Um, Obviously, it was a lot scarier forward. Yeah. You know? And so we put that shit on, and it was, um, you know, Black Sabbath, the rain, and all yeah, that shit. The, the bells, you yeah. know? And we had never heard no shit like that before. There had never been nothing like that in any music that we listened to. This is more like a, like a soundtrack to a weird, crazy movie or something. Yeah. And, you know, The Wizard. Lucifer. We were at Catholic school, dude. Yeah. You know, it was a fucking wicked world was on the American version of the album. Um, crazy shit, you know? And 
uh, we didn't, none of us was like, oh, this is our shit. This is what we're going to be into now or whatever. But we like thought about it and we discussed it, you know, and we, and we remembered it, you know, and, and some things we remembered wrong, like, like, uh, for whatever reason, we thought Tony Iommi was Tommy and, and, uh, and we didn't know how to pronounce it. So we were like, okay, Tommy Iommi. Okay. That's the guy, right? Tommy Salami. Right. And he, and he fucking plays wicked shit. Right. And that crazy fucking singer. Which on the album, on the back album of that, it's Ozzy with yeah. S's. So it's yeah. Ozzy or yeah. whatever. But we knew it was Ozzy. We put that much together. But it was, a, and with the I-E, no, not a Y. Yeah. So it was, uh, so later on, we would like, you know, talk about, it. yeah, fucking Tommy Yami, fucking whatever. He fucking plays fucking wicked shit, man. That shit sounds fucking crazy or whatever. <laughs> and and um, actually, since you're taking Italian now, yeah, you, you probably know that Iomi is yeah. a mispronunciation because there is yeah. no I sound in yeah. in Italian. Uh, yeah, so it I would be Iomi. Iomi. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so so uh, so we started listening to that shit, and it was one of the first a- albums when we figured out that we could make tapes from records. That was I figured that out at my house. That was one of the first ones that we made for everyone. That, oh, yeah. Number of the Beast, Killers, a couple other things. And so that got into the mix pretty quick. And that became, you know, our road to heavy metal. Yeah. Now, from there, we kind of diverged because, like, Ricky and Tony liked more kind of Van Halen and Good Time uh, yeah. records. And uh, I liked Iron Maiden a lot more. And, and Lenny was always Sabbath and and a priest yeah. you know but all together we kind of brought all those influences into what we were doing yeah which uh so yeah very fucking influential very we were about it you know pretty quick by the time we were 13 we were fucking in it all the way oh for sure you yeah. know that sabbath was so good at being like you know beginner level like scare your friends music yeah like i remember you know, I didn't put any actual Sabbath on this, despite the fact that I love Sabbath, but mm-hmm. it's a little bit different to me because I had to come into it way later and I got into them with a compilation album. We've talked about that like 1800 times on this. That right. Is, you know, we sold our soul for rock and roll. You know, that was the thing that first got me into Sabbath. But to just piggyback off that a little bit, I remember going to like a Catholic retreat. And I just gotten that CD mm. and being like, oh, y'all need to fucking listen to this shit. Right. Oh, it's Black Sabbath. Yeah. No, it's Ozzy Osbourne's band before he went solo. It's, right. It's cooler than Ozzy. Right. Like his solo shit. Listen to this shit. And I remember everybody being like, oh, that's rad. Like, da, da, da. A bunch of Catholic kids. Yeah. And then, you know, it's like the whole, like, the end of Children of the Grave. Yeah. It's just children of yeah <laughs> like the whispering and shit and like, yeah. that's fucking creepy but yeah but uh yeah so that was i have a lot of you know that's my fun little memory of that um but if we're gonna go chronologically with this um chronologically the uh the first i guess you could call it like time capsule type album for me was uh it's funny because it's not quite an album album it's like a B-side compilation mm-hmm. 
but it was uh, Nirvana Incesticide. Mm-hmm. And that was the one that came out after Nevermind, which was their huge hit, and before right. In Utero, which is like their last studio album. Right. They In 92, they put together a compilation of this shit of just B-sides and stuff, you know, that hadn't been released yet. And at that time, by the time I got it, Kurt Cobain was already dead. Right. You know, even then. But I, I like Nirvana. I got into him a little bit more after Kurt was dead already. And um, it was that first thing I could have that was like, oh, check out the deep cuts. Right. Type of thing. Like, right. oh, like you like, oh, you like come as you are and smells like teen spirit. Well, right. check out Aero Zeppelin or check out, you know this version of poly or check out blue or something like that you know right so you wanted to get on them get into them at a higher level than other people yeah Yeah. that's where i was like i because i all through high school for the the most part up until i got more into metal like nirvana was like my favorite band right but you only had like three studio albums right so any extra shit you got Oh, it was valuable. It was valuable. It yeah. was like that, and then you had like their live compilation album, Muddy Banks of the Wishka, right. and you had the Unplugged one. Right. That was it for the longest fucking time. Yeah. And now they got like a box set that has every unreleased thing they ever did, and this and that, and you can get anything you want instantaneously, but at right. the time, this was like the shit. Right. And there were some other like bootlegs um, that had been flowing around that I didn't get my hands on, but I got this. Because I was staying the night at my friend Damien's place, who I knew through my friend Larry, because Damien didn't go to school with us. It was mm-hmm. one of those dudes that Larry went to middle school with, and he went to a different high school because he moved out of Spring Valley type of thing. Mm-hmm. And he lived over, kind of over by the Kaiser on Zion. Right. Those, some apartments by there. So I was crashing there one night with Larry, and I was kind of going through his CDs type of thing. And I was like, oh, can we listen to this a little bit? And I was digging it. And he was just like, oh, you like that? You, here, you can have it. Mm-hmm. Knock yourself out. <laughs> you know? Cool. So I just, that was the one I listened to the most out of all the Nirvana shit I had. Right. Just because it was, you know, that turned me into that guy that looked for the deep cuts on, on shit. Right. As opposed to like, oh, let me just grab the greatest hits. Right. Yeah. Things. Or play these couple of songs over and over. Yeah. Yeah.
Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's cool. That makes you like a more sophisticated listener. Yeah, you know something I mean? like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Fast forward a couple of years. So it's 83, right? I'm getting out of eighth grade. Nobody's ever, nobody's talked to me about like where I'm going to go to high school or anything because fuck because almost everybody from my school is going to go to Marion. Yeah. And um but I knew I wasn't going to go to Marion because we didn't have Marion money, you yeah. know? So, but I didn't really care because I wasn't like about school or whatever. <laughs> Little did I know that my parents and my aunt and uncle had already decided that I was going to go to school in Spain next year, right? And they didn't bother telling me about it till there was a couple of weeks left in the, in the, in the school year, right? Yeah. So I was caught by surprise. I didn't want to fucking go, you know, whatever, but I didn't have no, I didn't have no choice in the matter. So, okay, you know, I, uh, I, uh, pack up my little shit for like the biggest wake up call that my life will ever have. Right. All the way from fucking, from flying over there on the flight over there, I'm reading circus magazine. I find out that black Sabbath with Dio is breaking up. Right. Because the, because the magazines were like probably three, four months behind the the news at that time. So so they had already broken up a while back, you know, but I was like, fuck, man, this sucks, whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, I land in Spain and I decide just to kind of cut the line, not to go through the line that I'm supposed to go through and just kind of go around and get my my luggage. At which point I get a fucking machine gun pointed at me. Right. Oh, shit. And that's so that was the first time for that. And I was like, whoa, fuck, you know, and and uh, it was another trip, too, because going to Spain was the first time that I ever really found out that there are countries that, like, don't like us, that yeah. people that don't like us, because, like, even taking the bus onto the base, the guards would get on the bus and walk, and then they would look under the bus for, like, bombs and shit. Oh, jeez. And I was like, damn, and this is a little kid's bus. Yeah. So I was like, wow, people hate us, you know, I was yeah. like, okay, that's fu- that's new. Anyways, so I land, go to this fucking, uh, it, to try to keep me from jet lag, they try to keep me up all day so I can sleep at night, yeah. end up going to this pool party, this girl likes me, I was like, oh, I'm going to like this place, because yeah. your girl likes you on the first day, so I was like, yeah, I'm going to like this place, but um, then on the way back, we went to the base, right? Go to the base, and they got, you know, all kinds of cool shit at the base. Like, all American shit, you know? And so, I, I'm looking through the records and shit. And, uh, actually, it was cassettes. And I see Dio, Holy Diver. And I'm like, what the fuck? So, I look. I'm, I'm looking for a picture of Dio on the cover so I can... And it's like, well, I don't know. This priest might be him. Is that what that is? Or, <laughs> I don't know. And I go, but I think it's Dio, you know, and, and then I can see where they're, okay, Ronnie James Dio. Okay, fuck, it's Dio. You know, can I get this, right? So it's, I'm the first day I'm asking them to buy me shit already. Yeah. You know, but, um, so they're like, yeah, you like, can have you want to make my transition right. easier, right? Yeah, but it was made, it was like, yeah, you can have it, but don't get used to this. You ain't yeah. gonna be getting shit. And I'm like, all right, cool, whatever, got it. Put it on in the car with my Uncle Albert. And my Uncle Albert's like, he's like a real analytical dude, you know, and whatever. 
and he starts hearing these these uh, Dio lyrics. I mean, right off the bat, stand up and shout. I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, I like this. This fucking, I'm, I'm going to like this. And so Albert's like, uh, you know, here's Invisible. He's like, at the palace of the virgin lies the chalice of the soul and all that shit. And so he's like telling me what he thinks it means. Yeah. Right. And you're like, shut and I'm up. Like, I'm just trying yeah, to listen. I'm like, I don't think you have the Dio dictionary going too good <laughs> with what with that. Whatever, you know. Shut up, old man. Right. So you don't uh, know about rock and roll. Yeah, right. <laughs> So, uh, so I go home, I go to sleep and, uh, and then Albert sees like some of the kids in the neighborhood and like tell him, yeah, my nephew's here. He likes heavy metal like you guys and whatever, you know, and they're like, what's he into? Like Iron Maiden and Black Sabbath and Dio. And they're like, what the fuck is Dio? (laughs) They're like, yeah, you know, whatever. So meanwhile, I'm fucking playing this fucking Dio album over and over and over and over. And I'm just fucking digging the shit out of yeah. it, right? So when I finally meet these dudes, who is Phil and Tommy and Carlos and all the dudes that I that I still go to concerts with now, yeah. since they're here now, um, they were like, okay, this kid's like fucking, okay, Mr. California, I'm wearing Vans. They didn't know what Vans were, <laughs> right? And I have this fucking Dio record that they fucking never heard of who Dio was. And come and come to find out now that I can see that it was May of 83 when it was released. It was just released when I got it. Yeah. You know? So they're like, oh, yeah, this guy knows about shit we don't know about. He must be cool. Whatever, 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 whatever. So it was kind of like my entry into that into that little scene. And, uh, and I think it helped me get welcomed. Like yeah. with open arms and shit. And it became like one of the soundtracks of that summer. Yeah. You know, so fucking A. 
Dio. Thanks, Dio. <laughs> Hooked it up for me. That uh, that it does help to be like the dude that's like the first one to be like, guys, listen to this shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that's how it was. So yeah, so that was cool, man. Fucking Dio. Fucking Dio, indeed. Yep. So I'm doing a twofer on my next one since we're going in chron. We decided to just do chronologically on this one. Um, for my, I'm just. It's because that time period blends together for me. Mm-hmm. Um, is around the time I, you know, this is around the time I got into Metallica. Um, I'd already gotten like the Black Album and shit like that, and I may have had like a couple like Master of Puppets and Injustice for All at this point. So, at the for the most part, it's I'm listening to old shit, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, my ju- my junior year of high school, so it's like you know it's it's towards the end of you know it's it's like towards the end of the first semester. It's like so I'm in the 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 upperclassmen finally. So right. it's like you're not like it's like you're kind of cool to like the underclassmen right, at this right. point by default. By default, yeah. yeah. Like the freshmen are like intimidated by your existence. Yeah. At this point, I still remember. It's funny because a lot of these stories are going to involve my friend Larry in some in some way, shape, or form. He was one of the homies at the time. I remember my friend Larry kind of creeping me out a little around that time. Because the thing he was most excited about being an upperclassman finally was uh, freshman chicks. Right. Because, okay. you know, when you come in as a freshman, none of the chicks want to fucking date you. Right. They're dating juniors and seniors. Right. So to him, it was like, yeah, now, now it's, it's our, our turn. turn. Yeah. And I'm like, you're sort of fucking weird, dude. Like, uh, yeah. It sort of grossed me out yeah. because he would constantly talk That's about That's a lot it. cooler in college. Yeah. A senior date, you know, freshman in college is a lot cooler than, than but, the yeah, other way. His whole thing was just like, and it's funny because it's only a two-year difference. Right. You right. know, it's a 16-year-old dating a 14-year-old. Right. Or, you know, depending on how old they are when they came in. Because right. I was 17 going into my junior year right so i had a three-year difference between most of the gals there i didn't date anybody in high school anyway right <laughs> but he was super excited about that i don't know why that stuck out so much talking about this time period <laughs> yeah but he would not shut the fuck up about that would it. stick out to me too and i'm like dude stop you're being creepy yeah <laughs> but then uh so this is around the time i was getting out of my I still like alt rock and stuff like that, but I mm-hmm. I drifted from my alt rocks into my metal more. I started hanging right. out with more of the dudes that were in into metal. Right. And uh, so in '97, Metallica comes out with Reload, mm-hmm. which, in retrospect, not that great of a fucking album. Right. Um, it sounds like what it is—the shit that was left over from the load sessions, mm-hmm. plus some other extra stuff. But at the time, there was this mindset that Load was where Metallica was starting to get lame. Mm-hmm. And it was Load Bad. Because it has that like that song Mama Said on it that's mm-hmm. like all acoustic mm-hmm. and sounds like a country song. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot more alt-rocky sounding stuff on it. Right. And for some reason, despite the fact that Reload sounds mostly like that... Mm-hmm. A bunch of us had it in our minds that this sounded more like the Black Album than Load did. Okay. Which, if you asked a bunch of the old dudes, Metallica wasn't Metallica since the Black Album. 
Right. But as far as we were concerned, that's what we thought. Yeah. The Black Album was the last of the old oh, Metallica. The heavy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Era. That right. was where old Metallica stops. Okay. Is at that one. And not Justice, where a lot of people will say that. Right. Right. But we're fucking teenagers. We didn't know better. So that was the first Metallica album that I got when it was like new, new. Mm hmm. And it's like, uh, you know, it's one of the first. One of the first CDs I was able to get, like, after that whole, uh, that weird ass, I don't know why this made so much, mattered so much to me, but it was after that time period. Remember when CDs had the big fucking plastic case? Oh, yes. You couldn't steal it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why it, like, stood out to me that, like, now CDs just look fucking normal. Right. But I got that, uh, I got that, uh, my junior year, I believe. I, I fucked up in my, uh in my chronological order now now that i think about it but it doesn't matter anymore it doesn't matter <laughs> but uh so that was the first brand new metallica album i got right and to go along with that garage inc came out in 98 and that mm -hmm. was you know you had one full you know one cd of a bunch of new cover songs and then it was a compilation that had both garage days revisited which those were the things that were the hardest to find for the right. longest time. It's like, oh, now it's all together on another CD. Plus some um, uh, songs they did for like Lemmy's 50th birthday. Okay. When they're, you know, there's a big show for that and they're jamming with him and shit like that. Right. So that all kind of blended together. That came out my senior year. So it's just like the last couple of years of high school, those were the two. The Metallica years. The two new Metallica albums that yeah. had come out. So I was listening to that the most. That's where I was able to like really get in good with the metal kids more. Right. That's where you start listening to shit on, you know, Garage Inc. Like Die Die My Darling and Last Caress and go, oh, I want to check out this band, The Misfits. Mm -hmm. Or Am I Evil? Oh, I need to check out this band, Diamond Head, one of these days. Right. So it came, that one, despite the fact it was all covers, that became my gateway to other shit my mm -hmm. like my roadmap because i remember when napster was brand new mm -hmm. being at my friend bill's house and i started to just we just started looking up the original versions of all the songs that metallica had covered mm -hmm. on those so we had like our own like mix of like garage inc the originals or something right, whatever right, we wanted right, to fucking right. call it so it's like a lot of diamond head and all this and we're like yeah we're cool yeah we're finding this obscure shit yeah which we diamond know the heads, real deal yeah yeah diamond heads kind of fucking obscure yeah totally it, it still is at that time though it was that or i do remember because of that there was also that that thing where like the the merciful fate medley they did mm -hmm. like this is fucking badass mm -hmm. dude i bet merciful fate is sick as fuck right and then i remember my friend cody coming to school Yo, I listened to actual Merciful Fate. Oh, fuck. How was it? He's like, dude, that singer sings weird. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was one of those things. Like, you did, and I didn't hear it until even later after that. But there's just this, like, that right before you could get all that shit through Napster, there's just that time capsule right then of being able to look up stuff on the internet and mm -hmm. find out more about it, mm -hmm. but still having it out of reach. Right. So right. if somebody which would make you want it. Yeah. Yeah. So if somebody managed to get a hold of merciful fate shit, 
then they're like, oh yeah, that's that's coming into the collective metal kid group consciousness now. Right, right. But yeah, and then I remember later, maybe a year or so later, that's when I got a hold of like actually listening to Merciful Fate, and I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, and yeah. I still uh, still don't know if I like Merciful Fate because over in spite of King Diamond, man. It's, right. It's a weird thing. But... It is weird. It is weird. And it's one of those things that, like, for whatever reason, I mean, because I like dudes that can sing high. Yeah. But I like that shit to be used sparingly. Yeah. Not all the time. Not the whatever. main go-to. Yeah. So, you know, whatever. But, um, but that new King Diamond shit is pretty sick. And that new DVD that he put out is pretty fucking badass. So, you know, yeah, I, I, I think I finally came around on it, yeah. you know, but at first I didn't like it. Yeah. Yeah. But I think what makes all this stand out the most to me, like I said, it's when you're you're an upperclassman in high school. Mm-hmm. You're kind of, even if you're not one of the cool kids, you're still by default cooler than the underclassmen. Right. You know, your friends actually have fucking cars and driver's license right. and shit like that. Yeah. So it's the first time you're cruising around listening to your own shit with right. just your friends in the car. Right. So that's and what I think of a lot. I just remember Logan played a lot in my friend Ben's car hell after yeah. school. You know, load and reload. And so that's that's the ones that really stand out for me. Even though even though reload, when I listen to it now, I get bored. Right. But at the same time, I fucking still remember the exact song order, and I can right. sing almost all the lyrics to all of them. But yeah, at the time, it was just that was it's just fucking cool. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. My next one, uh, this is right after high school, and I I had done, I had already done a lot of drugs, but I didn't get into any drugs, really. You know, I just experimented with this and that, and then um, after high school, my high school girlfriend broke up with me, and she was like, the hottest girl in school and it fucked me up. It fucked me up bad. And so that's when I kind of went off the deep end as far as dope and all that kind of shit. And it was, uh, and Lenny introduced me to, to these dudes, Rodney and Frank and the other Frank and, uh, and Rodney, Rodney had a house where we could like go around the back, kick it in the back room or whatever and we called it the orphanage, right? You're fucking misfit. These yeah. little fucking go fuck around. And um, I was kind of doing good, like in a sense, because I, I had got I had the job at the guitar shop. There was 
people coming in there all the time. I I had practically like I had practically like groupie chicks, and then even kind of like groupie dudes who <laughs> would like they would buy a guitar if I had owned it. Yeah, you know, so I would buy guitars, own it for a while, and then they would see it and like it, and then I would sell it to them. You know, <laughs> so I was doing good. I was making money, getting that know, little local, local, local legend yeah, status. Yeah, like at that the time. And so, uh, best guitarist in National City. There you go. <laughs> and so I was hanging out at Rodney's, and uh, and I start bringing instruments over there. You know, and and come to find out that Rodney could play the drums. You know, like. Uh, he didn't know it. We didn't know it, but just one day he could play them. You know, you just sat down and like, oh, holy fuck, yeah. he's got rhythm. Yeah, and so uh, and so by that time, like, you know, me and Lanny's project, which was Blacksmith, that had a lot of pauses because it had it had to be just so you know uh, whatever, and so we had a lot of side projects along the way. And one of the side projects became the Orphans, which was Rodney and Frank yeah. and Frank and me and Lenny, and um, and then when that was when that was over um, for the night or whatever, everyone would go their separate ways or whatever, and then it would just be me and Rodney kind of kicking it, you know. And that was when I introduced Rush to Rodney, right? And Rush is like. Rush is the kind of band that I don't introduce to that I never introduce to people because either they already they already heard Tom Sawyer, yeah, right. So either they like Rush or they don't like Rush. They don't need me to tell them about it, you know. But I um, played some shit for Rodney. He dug it, right. So then I'm like, well, here, listen to this. Well, here, listen to this. And and uh, after a while, we would just like get drunk. You know, we we would drink like really really good scotch because I was stealing bottles from the store anyway. So we didn't have a budget. I could just steal whatever. Yeah. So you know, it was if it wasn't locked up. So we'd be drinking like Glenfiddich and Johnny Black and shit <laughs> like that, and um, and discussing Rush. You know, like fucking at that and at that time, the album that was out was uh, a show of hands, which was like their third live album. Yeah. And um, it had shit like big money subdivisions, which were like social commentaries, you know. And then like Marathon or Mission, which were like, you know, everything's going to be all right kind of songs. If you, if you, you know, if you do the right thing, try hard and that kind of shit. It's not 
and then um, like time stands still, which which is almost about what we're talking about now. It's just like tripping out on what's going on, you yeah. know. So in a sense, and closer to the heart, which was like we had the lyrics to closer to the heart, like written on the wall and shit, you know. <laughs> and it was um, kind of our because we were as we got more into meth and drugs and shit we were kind of losing like our humanity in a sense that happens yeah. you know and for whatever reason like rush lyrics were like our lifeline to still being <laughs> yeah. you know not all that fucked up yeah you, know? you weren't like fucking yeah raging tweaker animal yeah we had we had some you know we had higher thoughts and higher purpose or we thought yeah. you know and that and that also wrapped all into the delusions of grandeur that that drugs often give you yeah that <laughs> you know but yeah it, so me and rodney drinking scotch listening to fucking show of hands i, I could fucking remember it like it was yesterday you know yeah. and i know he does because we talked about it at when when neil pert died he was like, yeah, you gave me Rush. And I'm like, fuck yeah, I did. <laughs> it's like, so I gave you, you a couple other things you probably don't Yeah, I probably don't, don't like want to remember, it. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, for sure, that was uh, 89, that was probably 90, 91 while this shit was going yeah. on. All right, so I fucked up chronologically, but it's fine, I can recover. Uh, so we're going back in time again. Okay. Um, so I'm going to probably talk a little bit less about this one. I think it's just, you know, if... You know, Metallica and Reload and stuff was, like, my soundtrack to, like, my upperclassmen years. Mm-hmm. Um, Ixnay on the Ombre by The Offspring, which I got, like, it right right smack in the middle of, like, my sophomore year. It was kind of, like, kind of repetitive, just like how my underclassmen years were. Mm-hmm. Because my sophomore and freshman year... I had like my, you know, I had my friends like Sean and Larry and Russell and all that, and they're all into like alt rock. So we're always at Larry's place, and 91X is always on, and Offspring's always playing because Offspring they're right in their fucking prime mm-hmm. at this point. Um, so you know, I remember like you know hearing songs off that on the radio all the time. So it reminds me of just those times like. First, it was we always were hanging out at Larry's apartment, right? Because he lived really close to the school, which is funny because Sean also lived close to the school, but he had a smaller apartment. Mm, yeah, <laughs> and his mom wasn't as like welcoming. Right, the cool mom is always a cool thing. Yeah. So Larry's mom was a lot more welcoming, and then when Larry like got a house, house, mm. then it was everybody's at Larry's house. Right. You know. Right. And it's like, hey, I got a house too, but <laughs> yeah, it's like for people that are listening to this that don't know, like the the way Spring Valley is broken up. I went to Monta Vista, but I live in the La Presa area, right? So all my friends that went to Monta Vista, they lived in like around near Monta Vista for the most part, right. in like the Casa de Oro area, yeah, and shit like that. And I was the one that lived the farthest. Okay, so nobody was ever really hanging at my pad. It right. was always. Larry's was just the destination. Right. So I remember Larry having this CD and I was listening to it at his place. And I'm like, dude, I really fucking like this CD. And at the time, I still, I had a CD player. I never bought a CD for myself. Mm -hmm. It was always like, 
my mom had like the tower the columbia record club or whatever and uh would just be like uh i'd be like oh can you order this and this for me and you know sometimes it turns out like i get a cd i like other times it turns out i liked one song and then the rest of the cd was shit right but i remember for uh i think i've got it for like a birthday present or something like that i've been sitting on it but i had a blockbuster video gift card and there's a blockbuster video within walking distance mm-hmm. of my house at the time. Mm-hmm. So my friend Angelo, who lived in the, the area, he was one of my f- friends that lived in the same vicinity as I did. He's walking down with me. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll walk with you to Blockbuster. And that was Blockbuster also sold CDs at the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking around to see if there's anything I wanted to buy because I didn't have a fucking account. My parents didn't have a Blockbuster account, so I couldn't right. rent anything. And Angelo saw some, like, anime VHS or something. He's like, you should buy this. I'm like, ah, maybe. <laughs> and I like that shit, too. But then I saw Ixnay on the Ombre. Right. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Day after day. So I'm like, oh, I fucking really like this. He's like, oh, fucking, uh, Offspring sucks. Yeah. Fuck them. Why are you going to... Uh, uh. He was. He kept telling me how... He just wanted the anime. He, uh... <laughs> well, that's exactly how it was. It tur- I found out later that Angelo was just a very manipulative dude. Right. He was like that guy. So he would like... I remember, I'm like, no, I'm going to spend my money on this. And he kept telling me how selfish I was. Oh, Yeah. Like, you try to gaslight you and shit. Right, like, right, you know, right. That's really selfish of you to buy this CD for yourself when right. you could have been hanging out watching this. Yeah. I'm like, ah, fuck you. It's my birthday money. Yeah. Like, that kind of thing. Right. So I was just like, yeah. And he was the dude that years later, it's like you find out he talks shit behind your back. Uh, and he yeah. does it to all his friends. And he oh, constantly, Angelo. He constantly likes to pit <laughs> his friends against each other. Right. Oh, you know, Bill said this against you right. about you, and you. He, he was Mike's, Facebook before Facebook. Yeah, yeah. it's like Mike <laughs> said this about you, man, and he would try to. His big thing is he liked to try to see if he could end up getting his friends into like fist fights and oh, shit. Oh like wow! That. He was an instigator. Wow, what a dick! But then he was a <laughs> suck up to the parents. Oh right, Eddie Haskell style. Yeah. No, that was the thing. Um, my mom. She'd be very nice to him because, oh, how are you doing, Mrs. Castleberry? Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, 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 And she'd be like, I know he's the Eddie Haskell. Like, right, I know, right, I, right. I've seen that before. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> but, uh, There's even a name for it. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny that you went straight to that because yeah. I was going to say my, that's exactly what my mom called him. Uh, totally. So there's the fact that I got really into this. is the first time I just got to go out and buy myself a CD. Right. And then... Uh, it's also the fact that it, like, made my friend super butthurt. Right. Like, he would just, like, he was complaining the entire walk back. But I fucking really dug that CD, goddammit. Yeah. I, if I listen to that album, I still enjoy it. Yeah. It's fun. It's, you know, 
pop punk, but right. you know, it's that's what you know was cool at the time. Right. And uh, it was right before like Offspring got like super super commercial sounding. Right. Yeah. So I was like, it was not. It was like this window where the Offspring were one of my favorite bands. It was like from like Crash. The album they did before that, then Ixan and the Ombre, just those couple of years, and then when Americana came out, like my senior year, I was already done with them. Right. <laughs> like, right. I was like, ew, I don't like Pretty Five for a white guy. Right. Like, all of a sudden, all the trendy kids in school right. are listening to Offspring. Ew, they're yeah. sellouts. If the fucking, if the cool kids in the quad are listening to it, I don't want anything to do with it. Right, them. right. So. You know, uh, it, when, uh, when, um, when they came out, when Green Day came out, we were like, Oh wow, these these bands are like orphans ripoffs. <laughs> you know, we were like they we were That's, like. Yeah, you remember that one, delusions of grandeur yeah, you're yeah, talking yeah. about with the drugs? Totally. <laughs> so so that's what yeah. But I always I always like I never got into um, them, but I've always thought of them fondly. Like yeah yeah, yeah you know what they yeah they're cool you know whatever. Um, another funny thing so you're talking about uh, because this just came up last night. I used to walk to to uh, Plaza Bonita or or whatever. That, that shit was far yeah, to be walking, you know. Like, <laughs> there's nothing close to Plaza Bonita, yeah, except for Bonita, and you didn't have Bonita money. Dog. No, no. <laughs> so, uh, so get over there to to go to the warehouse, look at records and whatever, whatever. And you know, I was reading magazines at the time, telling me you know Michael Schenker, like one of the greatest guitar players in the world, or whatever. And I go get like a Michael Schenker album, like Assault Attack or or uh, or the first MSG record, and they're fucking great records. Yeah, but they're not really for like a fifteen year old. You know, they're kind of more sophisticated than that. Yeah. And I didn't really get it all the way, and uh, and I was just like, um, you know. And then last night we were watching uh, some UFO uh, video, you know. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, I go, you know, I go, it's funny because I go, Vinnie Moore, I go, when Vinnie Moore joined UFO, you know, I remember that at the time when I was a kid, I was like, God, fucking Vinnie Moore is fucking all over Michael Schenker. Like, I mean, I know you guys say this, you guys say that, but fucking forget it. You know, and and Ilani's like, what? Like, you know, because we've seen Vinnie Moore with UFO. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and I'm like, yeah, I'm like, you know what? I'm like, honest, honestly, he doesn't, he's not playing like he used to now. Um, but if you saw him anymore then, you, you would have tripped out. Yeah. And so I go, you know what? As a matter of fact, I had this DVD, which was a PAL DVD, like, um, you know, European, yeah. whatever. So I could never play it. But now Blu-ray players play PAL. Oh, shit. So I go, I'm just going to fucking throw this on. And it's called Showtime, UFO Showtime. And it's like shortly after Vinnie Moore joined UFO, and it's the fucking Vinnie Moore show, dude. He's fucking just going off, and Lonnie's like, "What the fuck? Who the fuck is this guy?" <laughs> you know? And I'm like, "Yeah, man." And I'm like, "You know what? To be fair, last time we saw him, we were on the other side from where he was." Yeah. And you know, and the and so he's also do, old. Yeah, you know, he's also. I go, you know, maybe he's got some little arthritis or whatever the fuck. But man, if you get a chance to watch UFO Showtime, it's a badass DVD, and it's the fucking Vinnie Moore show, nice. and you'll see how he got that gig and why <laughs> who Vinnie Moore was or is. 
fucking bad motherfucker. Uh, all right. Um, my next one is, um, this is now around 98, 99, okay? I'm still in that same neighborhood where the orphanage was, but Rodney's moved around the corner down the street. You can still hang out there, but it's kind of a different vibe. It's more fucking cholos and, and dope fiends. Yeah. Then, you know, there's not no band instruments there no more. You know, uh, the blacksmith thing is just something that me and Lenny talk about when we're high enough, but we're not really doing anything about it, you know. Um, I'm I've already been in, in rehab, got out of rehab, and somehow got a job at a pharmacy. And fucking, and so Your I'm... Your wealth of knowledge of yeah, pills. right. And so <laughs> I'm in the PDR finding out what's what and what I can fucking snake and whatever, whatever, whatever. So I've got pills. I'm fucking dealing pills. I'm fucking doing meth. I fucking, I've given up on like finding a nice girl or anything like that. I'm just like straight up fucking hookers, you yeah. know, fucking <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, just some nasty vision. Yeah. And uh, and Rage Against the Machine is is uh, in my car, just playing over and over and over and over, and you know, and and I'm I'm in that mode where, like, you think when you find out somebody got busted, and you're just like, what the fuck were they thinking? You know, mm-hmm. were they trying to get busted? That's where I was. Yeah. You know, I have fucking pills in my trunk, dope in my pocket. Driving around with a fucking literally a bucket of beers <laughs> on ice um, in my passenger seat, you trying know, to get just, caught. Yeah, like <laughs> just not giving a fuck about nothing. And it was and rage was the soundtrack, bomb track, killing in the name, take the power back, settle for nothing, bullet in the head, know your enemy, freedom, wake up, and and I'm and and it, they were yelling. But my, like, soul was, like, yelling, you know, because I was yeah. just, like, so... And somehow, I had almost, I had convinced myself that all this shit that was going on with me was somehow not my fault. Yeah. And somehow, like, the man did this shit to me, yeah. or whatever the fuck, you know. And I had already gotten, you know, busted for some things, minor as they were, um, and a couple of little major things, you know. But, yeah, that that... I can still, like, see myself, like, just rolling down fucking 20th and Granger and fucking, like that, fucking throwing fucking empty bottles out of the fucking window, just fucking, rah, and, you know, and... Fuck you, I won't yeah, do what you tell me. Yeah, and basically at that point, I'd given up, I, like, I, you know, I had given up on life except for the fact that I was going to enjoy however much of it I had left. Come up. Yeah. We gotta turn the bass up on this one. Check it. Since 1516, minds attacked and overseen. Now crawl amidst the ruins of this empty tree. With their borders and boots on top of us. Pulling out on the floor of the toxic metropolis. But how you gonna get what you need to get? Get offensive like that. The fifth sunset. Get back, proclaim. 
and by enjoy it, I meant like, you know, live like Lemmy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, basically. Man, you gotta have the thing is, is they don't clue people in. You need to have Lemmy money first. Exactly. You know, and yeah. You yeah. need to buy the good shit. Right. You yeah, know, none and of so the fucking. You don't buy shit off the dude in Lakeside. Right. And you're not going to get the Lemmy experience right. in Spring fucking Valley. So I was <laughs> just like, you know, just uh, pedal to the metal and fucking whatever, whatever. And that would be my last year of freedom for three or four years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then, you know, and then I came back out a, a, a totally different dude, you yeah. know, but um but hey, that's that's how it was, and that's and that's a bookmark for that time. You yeah. Know? So probably. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's one of those things where it's a good thing Lonnie didn't know you back then. Oh no, dude! She would have. She she says that. Oh no, you would have been disgusting to me. I yeah. would have never, you know. In a, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, as no. well, I should have been. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a accurate. Uh, that's an accurate way to view me at that time. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's one of those things where, like, just that music would even be a trigger. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All like, yeah, uh, all of it was one uh, package of of sickness, you know, and uh, yeah, and I was down with it to yeah. steal a lyric from. Uh, Jeez, from <laughs> you know, it's funny because uh, at that time period, that's what I mean. I got into rage in high school, but it's a it's a very different rage against the machine experience for right. me. Where it's like, for you, it's like you're a fucking out of control drug fiend. Yeah, that thinks the man is out to get him yeah. because along with delusions of grandeur, you have yeah. paranoid delusions. Right. On top of that, I'm like a teenager, so I'm buying like my Rage Against the Machine poster from like Sam Goody. Yeah. And shit, and putting right. that up in my room. And right. I still remember that one because my mom was like, huh. And it's like, it was the Rage Against the Machine poster where they all have like gas masks and shit. Oh, yeah. And rifles. And it says, we support our troops. Yeah. And then, you know. So it's like, I'm over there like being like, I'm a fucking anarchist. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Anarchy. Like, because when you're a teenager, that's what you want to hear. Yeah. Like, I didn't understand you know, the deep political overtones of Rage Against the Machine. Right, right. I didn't understand, like, you know, the whole just, yeah, yeah, just all the revolutionary shit they're talking about. Right. And, you know, the, and all, you know, so for me, it was just like loud as fuck and just, ah! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fuck you, I won't do what you right. tell me. That's a good thing to blast right. when you're mad at your mom exactly. and you go to your room. yeah. So and then gotta, the energy too. I mean, it's got you know it it has like the energy of 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 a teenager. You yeah. know, that's in a fucking rage. You know, it's it's it is perfect in that way. Yeah, yeah. All right, so I'm gonna go to the next one on my. Uh, we're back to chronological again. I only got two left, so <laughs> that should be able to mix this up. So I went with my next one was uh, System of a Down Toxicity. Mm -hmm. Now, I wasn't really into the whole new metal craze overall. Mm -hmm. I didn't even like the first System of a Down record. Mm -hmm. But this one this one came out in 2001. And that's a big fucking timestamp for me just because that's right when I turned 21. Mm -hmm. So I was able to drink. Because I was able to drink... That opened up a whole new world to the degenerates 
of the La Presa area of Spring Valley. Right. Like every fucking person, because I had gone, I left town. I was out in uh, out in Milwaukee for a while, and then Texas, and right. I was in two thousand, and then mid two thousand one. I came back in like August of two thousand one, mm-hmm. type of thing. So I just turned twenty one. First thing I do is I go to my friend John's house that lived in the area. He didn't know I was back. Right. So I knock on the door. His mom's like, oh, my God, John's still asleep, but go surprise him. Right. So I go, and I remember I, I sit, I'm I, sitting on a chair in front of his bed. I'm like, John, John, uh... John, yo, John, wake up, wake up. And John, he go, he does one of those things. He's like, "Fuck off, Mike! I'm trying to sleep." Holy fuck! Because <laughs> right. I've been gone for like a year, and he just lost his mind. And but he had been hanging with this crew in my absence, type of thing. And it's one of those things. You know how there's those first few years out of high school. There's a trickle down effect. Yeah. Because you got some friends that were maybe a couple years younger than you. And then they got some friends or a couple years younger than them. Right. So you got a cross section now. So I'm 21. John's like 19. And then he had like his friends like uh, Brian and Danny that were John's age also, 18, 19, you know. And then they had some other people around. So there's like 16 and 15 year olds that are like the hangers on of the crew. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, it's kind of cool. So I'm the I'm like the elder of the group. But because of that, I'm the motherfucker that's buying everyone beer. Right. And then they tell their friends, yo, there's this dude that's cool. That right. lives over on Ramona. So now I got fucking little pissant teenagers right. knocking out my door. Right. Yo, can you go to a star market and grab me a bottle of booze? Yeah. Shit like that. And all of them were fucking listening to this record. Right. <laughs> right. So it became like just like one of the things that was just playing... All the time time. when everybody's hanging out and drinking. And I rationalized it a lot because I was like not trying to like a lot of times you get them dudes that do that. They're weird, creepy fucks. Right. They're looking for an angle. Yeah. Yeah. They're like trying to fuck like a 15 year old girl or something. Yeah, exactly. I'll buy you some beer for some head or whatever. And for me. I used to just take some beers from them. Yeah. Well, that's what I would do. I <laughs> yeah. said, you're obligated to uh, at least drink a beer with me. Right, right, right. You know, or have a drink with me if yeah. it's liquor. Yeah. But um, the uh, I thought of it in the sense, especially because some of the ones that they just wanted a fucking case of beer or something like that that I didn't really know well. I'm like, fuck it, I don't care. Yeah. But for my friends that I was around all the time, I had always, I had rationalized it as, well, they're going to get their hands on it anyway. Yeah. At least I can keep a fucking eye on them. Right. Like, I felt like I was, like, their big brother. Right. So, it's like, yeah, I'll buy you beer, but you can't go busting out windows. You can't be acting like a fucking idiot. Right, right, We're going to hang out. We're going to chill. We're going to listen to some fucking music. And that way, this doesn't come back on me either. Yeah. Yeah. It still came back on me. Yeah, of course. There's at least one time where, like... Is one of them deals. Well, Mike bought it for us. Yeah. Well, that ex- that exact thing happened when we go to like, you know, we have our crew. We go drink down in this little grove of trees down by the reservoir in Spring Valley. And uh, one of the dudes brought a chick he was trying to fuck who was underage. Uh. 
And I'm like, I'm not comfortable with this, man. Right. You know, I'm like, you're like 18, 19. This girl's like 15, dude. Yeah. And I'm like, this is a little fucking scummy. Yeah. And I even told him, like, I'm not, I'm not getting a fucking 15 year old girl that I don't know drunk, dude. Right. This is fucking creepy. Yeah. And then my friend Brian's like, well, just think of it. I'm getting her drunk then. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, right. Well, she's fucking here. Yeah. Might as well let her have a couple drinks. She gets too drunk. Right. So she goes home, throws up, that kind of thing. Right. And then it's her big sister comes right. hunting me down. Yeah. That's still just a weird random thought. Like, I'm, I remember I'm waiting for, for the bus to go to class. And this chick, Daisy, I remember, she's like, you're, you're Mike, right? I was like, yeah, what's up? And she's like, if you ever buy my fucking sister alcohol again... I'm calling the fucking cops on you. You're a fucking loser. You're a scumbag. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm trying to, like, explain what happened. I'm right. Like, I wanted no part of that shit. The shit had already been bought. I yeah. don't, like, I agree. That's, that sounded skeezy. Yeah. And she's like, well, if she shows up fucking drunk again, I'm looking for you, motherfucker. I'm right. Like, I'm not trying to fuck your underage sister. Right. Nothing like that. Yeah. So that was one of those times it can't, like it said, it blows back on you. And it's like. I had to ban ban her from the from the circle. So to speak. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, Yo, oh, Christina yeah, can't fucking kick it, dude. Nah, it's uh-uh. like she's too young. She and, and you guys she, are and, creeps. And her family cares about her. <laughs> yeah, I'm like she's too young. You guys are kind of creepy yeah. for doing that. And her sister came, got on my ass, right? For good reason, right? Because you got you were trying to fuck her, right? Exactly. <laughs> so. All right, yeah. So, yeah, that whole time period is, like, it was System of a Down. Circumventing circuses, lamenting in protest, the visible police, presence, monster, fear, battalions of riot police with rubber bullets. Center, you can see America with this dire for avenging disgrace. Peaceful loving youth against the brutality of plastic existence. Pushing little children with their folly and dramatics. They like to push the weak around. Pushing little children with their folly and dramatics. They like to push the weak around. And also, uh, on a to a lesser extent, uh, Afro man. <laughs> okay. Because that was when we were cruising around and smoking weed. Is it, it was when we'd be playing Afro man. Right. So I'm always fucking that's when I first got into weed too. So I'm just right. like Afro man loves tall cans. Yeah. But that didn't fit in with the theme overall. But right. those are the two dual tracks of like my degenerate two thousand one. There you go. <laughs> two thousand two ish or so. There you go. All right. So oh three I get out of the pen, right? While I was in there, I'm always musical, you know, and there was no, uh, there was no, uh, I mean, there was like a little band room, but like the dudes who, who kind of uh, were running that room, they would like, you would kind of have to like ask them if you could play or, you know, whatever, whatever it was. There was like a protocol or whatever, and I wasn't into that shit. I don't care. You know, and, uh, and so, um, 
And before I got busted, I was also like into getting into gangster rap a lot. And so uh, while I was there, I start rapping because it was easy to me. It was like, okay, I've been writing lyrics since I was fucking 12. That's easy. You know, and and I got a good voice for it, and I yeah. and I've got flow, so fucking I could do this, you know. So I started doing that. I was, you know, in in contests in the in the prison where you know I literally have to ask like my the representative for my people if I can <laughs> enter a contest with black dudes or not, you know. That that's how it was. Like, as long as you win, fool. Yeah, <laughs> and and I won a couple, and I yeah. lost a few. And, uh, but, you know, overall, I got out thinking, oh, I could rap, <laughs> period, you know, for sure. And, uh, and so I was, I was getting into that, putting that together and, you know, doing car shows and shit like that and whatever. Rap open micer, basically, you know, yeah. is what it was. And I had enough songs to make a record. Are you going down to Diamond Gyms and shit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so, like. You know, if if a good metal show came around, I would still go, but I didn't know what the new album was or any kind of shit like that. You know, I wouldn't know half the songs. I don't even know the old old shit. You know, whatever. But then in '06, a matter of life and death came out. Iron Maiden, right? And I hadn't heard an Iron Maiden album for quite a while yeah. because. I lost track during the Blaze days. I never really got back on track, right? But again, you know, now is the internet. Music's free, basically, you know, so you, you can try it out without having to fucking buy it. And so Matter Life and Death came out. I think I got like some kind of a notification that it was out. And so I looked on my on my download site where I would, because I was already bootlegging, yeah. bootlegging movies. So, uh, so I found it, and I got it, and I played it. And I was living at Roy's house at the time, and uh, Roy and my sister, obviously. And um, and so when he got home, I already had a CD burned for him, and I had one burned for me, and I was like, dude, Maiden's back. <laughs>
like as if you know the previous album wasn't good or the one before yeah. that. I didn't really know, but to me, this was sick. This is the comeback. And this meant Maiden's back, and fucking and to and for whatever reason, Roy agreed. He's like, "Fuck yeah, Maiden's back!" <laughs> right. So we're like, "Okay, you know," and consequently, I mean, not consequently, but coincidentally, uh, that was the same time that they just stopped coming here, you know. Um, and so if we wanted to see him, we were going to have to go to LA. Yeah. And, uh, and it was the same time that I had gotten back in contact with the, with the dudes from Spain, specifically George. Right. And, uh, he was like, well, you know, we should just, we should just make it a thing. We'll go see Maiden and we'll make it a thing, yeah. you know? And I was like, cool. You know? So, I had not seen George since Spain, you know. I just, you know, talked to him online or whatever. Yeah. And, and so so this is, uh, and, and so I take Roy with me. We take the kids who are little, my nephews <laughs> who are little. And we go, and uh, it was awesome. You know, it was like, it was like uh, back together, back like a, like a heavy metal crew, you know. Yeah. And we've gone to every Iron Maiden concert in L.A. ever since then. So it became the beginning of a new thing. And it and basically at that point, I like just left the rap shit behind because yeah. I figured out that much like anything else, it's not the dude that's good that makes it as much as the dude who's willing to sell his CD out of the trunk at Walmart. Yeah. that's going to make it, you know? So, and I'm just, I'm just not a hard worker, you know? <laughs> so I was like, oh yeah, this is going to be work just like anything else. Yeah. So, uh, nah, fuck that. I'm heavy metal again, <laughs> you know? And so <laughs> rap that game's done. Yeah. Rap game's done. And that was the beginning of the, of the, the beginning of the new beginning. Yeah. And here we are now. I'm still doing what I was doing then. And, I probably I probably picked up a guitar for the first time in fucking a good six years. Yeah, you know, and so yeah, that was a that was a matter of life and death. Oh six, nice. Yeah. Okay, so my last one is from two thousand three, because uh, honestly, I just kind of I figure I just tracked from high school up until my through my early early twenties on this. Because there wasn't anything that really, like, blew my mind in my late 20s and through my 30s and stuff that really had to, uh, really grabbed onto me. Especially when I, I think about the fact that I started doing stand-up when I was, like, 32. Mm -hmm. So, like, my whole focus for a while there was, you know, stand-up. Right. Uh, for most of my 30s. But, uh, 2003, that's when Avenged Sevenfold came out with Waking the Fallen. And that was just, you know, that was one of those things where I kind of got into a band when they're still fairly not well known. Mm -hmm. I'd say the last time something like that happened was when Ghost was first coming onto the scene. But uh, I kind of heard them. I thought they're pretty sick. So it became the fucking thing that I start showing everybody. Right. I'm like, oh, these guys are going to be the next big thing in metal. Watch. Mm. So it's like, everybody, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. I'll fucking make you a copy of it. Right. I'm just forcing it down everyone's throats. For a couple years there, I was just super fucking into Avengers Sevenfold. They're like 
my favorite band aside from like Metallica. And then their next record after that completely changed their style and I drifted away from it. Right. So that's like I said before, that's how I know how people felt when the Black Album came out. Right. We're like, I don't think this is a band that I was really into. And you get less and less into it. But there's this good fucking period of time where I was obsessed with this band. you know that's i'm dating a gal that you know she had a similar taste in music as i did so she was really digging it and i was able to get her into other shit that i like so you know like around that time period she's also listening to shit like audio slave with me and stuff like that because rage had broken up Mm -hmm. but audio slave was on the scene now with the former members of rage chris cordell so i just remember like you know this is where we talked about before when I went to the New Year's Eve show with her and her friends mm-hmm. that Soma puts on and Avenged Sevenfold was there mm-hmm. and I almost missed their set because they were taking forever to get fucking ready and it was the only band I wanted to see. Right. <laughs> yeah. But it's, I don't know. I think I just really, I associate it really specifically, I think just because the time I was most into it was when I was also dating this one specific chick. Mm-hmm. And until I met my wife, that was my longest relationship I had been in. And I dated this girl for a year and a half. So that's mm-hmm. all yeah. you need to know. I had a lot of six-month relationships. Right, right, right. So this is the girl that at one point I thought I was going to marry. And yeah, and totally. So I kind of associate that whole time period with dating this chick. And then we had our falling out. Right. And I still liked the band. But it's just kind of this, like I, like I said, it's just a very, very specific moment in time. I'm dating this chick, Crystal. I'm working at Hollywood Video. I'm going to community college. Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, It's mm-hmm. one of those things where I'm like, oh, things are kind of going my way. I have a steady job that I have. I have some pocket money right. for once. So I can, you know, I'm dating a gal that I can actually buy her shit and take her out. And even it's fucking Hollywood Video money. In right. circa 2003. Yeah. So, you know, minimum wage was like $7 an hour. Right, right, right. But, you know, my dad wasn't charging me too much rent to live there Right, at the time. so yeah, so you were good. You know, I'm 23 years old. I'm still young. Yeah. 
So it was a really fun time for me. And, you know, even though the thing didn't work out with this chick, it's still, I still look back mostly fondly on that time period. Like, mm-hmm. we had a really, it wasn't an ugly, ugly breakup. Right. But it, like, was the first time a chick just flat out broke my heart type right, thing. Right, right, right. Whereas, like, I had asked her to marry me, like, maybe two weeks before. Oof. And she said yes. And then she thought about it. It wasn't, like, so much she thought about it. It was the fact that she had just turned 20. She was, like, thinking about the fact that, like, she came from a really strict Mexican household. So her mm. parents were very strict on her. Right. So she felt like. She missed something. Yeah, she mm-hmm. felt like there was just this whole, like, one way or another, there's, like, restrictions on her. Right. Whether it be her parents or me. Like, somehow I became a thing that was holding her back. Right. From whatever it was. She just needed to, like, discard, like, everything. Right. And just be, like, completely independent. Right. So she broke up with me over the phone, like, two Damn weeks it. after that. And I was just, like, a fucking kick to the dick type Fuck of thing. Fuck yeah, dude. But, uh... See, and that's, he, that was when you were supposed to get on meth. Yeah. Fucking you missed <laughs> and it, bro. stalker. And, <laughs> yeah. But what ended up happening was is we tried to be friends for a minute. And there was that whole thing where she'd come over and we'd hook up a little bit and it'd be very confusing. Right. But, like, uh... She would just be like, you know... One minute, she'd want to call me and talk to me and be like, oh, you know, I still love you and blah, 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 blah. Right. And the next minute, she's, like, telling me how much, like, well, you know, you don't have a whole lot to offer me, really. Yeah. That kind of stuff. I'm like, well, I'm I'm working and I'm going to school, dude. Like, I don't know what you want out of me right now. Right, right. But. uh Right. So there was a lot of conflicting messages with that. So it's just, this, but yeah, that they perfectly overlap so i just think about this being the most normal relationship i'd been in up to that point mm-hmm. and then it ending horribly right to so then i'm like uh do i still want to listen to this band anymore because yeah, we both like this band together her. yeah yeah that's fucking breakups will do that to you that's that was like, kind of white snake with uh the with the chick that broke up with me that yeah yeah and then uh, and it then seems she, like it's easier to not listen to White Snake. Yeah, and then she did like a uh, she did like a dance recital, and she and she danced to "Here I Go Again" on my own. Oh God! And I was like, "Oh, this fucking bitch!" <laughs> you know, it's like rub it in. And people are like looking at me and shit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, it's funny. It's like my ex that she was super into Tool. Oh, okay. So it took me like the gal uh, and that I'm still friends with. But it was like one of those things we dated for six months and we broke up. And at the time, I'm like, Boo, uh, she, her favorite band was Tool. So yeah, fuck Tool. <laughs> it, hurts to, it hurts to listen to Tool now because right. I was being a little bitch about it. Yeah, totally. And my friends called me out on that shit, too. Yeah. I gotta turn this off. I don't want to listen to Tool. It reminds me of her. And they're like, dude, stop being a faggot. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. See, that was the one good thing about, about that heartbreak or whatever it was. I never gave a fuck like that again. That's for sure. Because I... I wouldn't have been able to fucking do it. Like, you know, yeah. I almost fucking didn't make it through that one. Yeah. You know, fucking <laughs> fuck that. I mean, fucking fuck you, bitch. Yeah, I was, still a, <laughs> I was still a sucker for that. I would still, it's, that was like the last time for a long time that I thought I had like very long-term potential with somebody. Right, right. Because then I got in like a very toxic relationship with a gal a little bit after that. Right. Like, because I couldn't just take that time to be alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just started dating a chick that turned out to be a fucking crazy person. Uh, yeah, yeah. Those that was off and good. on for three years, Oof. and it was horrible. 
That's a roller coaster. Yeah, and then you date a gal for a little bit, and it doesn't work out, and then you're like, oh, fuck it, I'm swearing off of this shit. I'm just, yeah. just hookups right now, and then you get another girlfriend, and then it blows up, and you're like, I told you. Yeah. So yeah. I, it's funny because uh, it's, yeah, there's just like these chunks of time in between right after that that I just was single for a long time, then would date a gal, and then be single for a long time again. So all of a sudden it's like, I only had... After that chick, I only had maybe two serious girlfriends before I met my wife. And that was like a like a 10-year period. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, those yeah, relationships period. were only about six, seven months each. So right. there's just this time, a huge chunk of time I wasn't trying to date nobody. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I can fucking totally relate to that shit. So then I meet my wife, and I'm like, something fucking clicked there. And I'm like, well, I need to... Need to snatch this. this. Up. I yeah. need to snatch this one up because mm-hmm. it ain't getting better than this. And right. Like, and I meant not in a. I'm taking what I can get way. I'm like right. just a. Oh, this chick's like, fucking. I'm blessed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know how I fucking lucked out here. But, oh yeah. But yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Oh shoot. Yeah, dude. I'm same fucking same thing with with Lonnie. It was like I literally had uh, um, f- friends of mine or cousins of mine. Whatever. They tell you, dude, it's not going to happen. I don't know what you're putting all your eggs in this basket. It's fucking not going to happen. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's going to happen. You watch. You wait. Like, you I'll see. wear it now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They're just like, this chick is way too good for you. What yeah. are you fucking doing? Yeah. <laughs> They're like concerned about yeah. her well-being. Right. Than yours. Right. Like, They're like, yeah. It's like, I would never try that. How dare you? Yeah. It's not your... They're not worried about you putting all your eggs in one basket yeah. and like getting your heart broken. They're worried about you ruining some young girl's life. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pro- yeah, probably pretty much. All right, man. So we've come to the end of of the uh, time capsule, and uh, yeah, man, I think that was a good one. Um, you know, one thing that uh, that I just happened to be reading today in the bathroom. Um, because I, for whatever reason, I associate like the guitar players from Avenged Sevenfold. They're in that same like generation with the dudes from Dragon Force. Yeah. And of, of guitarists. That's just that super shredder. Yeah. School of guys that all went to like fucking like, you know, a performing arts college. Exactly. Like that. Exactly. And they all learn like super technical shit and then they all just end up in different like super fast bands right right well i was reading the interview with uh, i guess dragon force has a new album coming out i think it's called extreme power metal or something yeah. like that so which, which is a cool title what we're, are you, we're gonna have to do i keep saying that. it we're gonna have to do a power metal episode yeah. soon yeah that would be cool and uh anyway so they were asking him you know what you know what he like whatever, whatever. and of course like any fucking like any guitarist who's ever played metal ever van halen yeah is 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 uh one of the one of the dudes and they were like yeah so which what uh van halen you know albums did you were you really into whatever whatever and this fool says for unlawful carnal knowledge is his favorite eddie guitar album Hmm. and i'm like what the i mean my first instinct is to say what the fuck yeah so i fucking turned it on you know, I just fuck it. You know, cause I haven't heard that shit in a long time, anyways. Yeah. And you know, it's not without merit what yeah. he says, because fucking Eddie's shredding on that shit, and fucking his sound is awesome, and fucking obviously he's like really, really at 
at a hot playing at a very very high level. Yeah, it's not the shit that I personally like the best because it's it doesn't sound fucking. Like it doesn't the, have that party vibe. Yeah, but fuck if it fuck if it ain't good. So, See, you know, that's that shit with bands like that. Because I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect that for their influence. Yeah. Because when I listen to like Avenged Sevenfold, I hear like things like, "Oh, you really dug Marty Friedman," right? And shit like that. When right. I listen to, and and Slash, because yeah. they do, he's like a weird comment. Like the dude, like the the Reverend or whatever is it? Yeah. Or is that the drummer that died? I don't even know. They all have corny names. Yeah. But uh. Uh, actually, you know, it's Sinister Gates. That's Sinister the Gates, yeah. But uh, they, uh, he does this thing where he's like a, this amalgam of like those sh- shred thrash metal dudes and then like guys like Slash. Right. Where he can kind of mold it into his own thing. When I listen to like Dragon Force, I just hear fucking Ingve. Totally. I hear like a lot of Ingve oh, yeah. in that. That's guys that listen to all that shit and were like, I wouldn't be surprised if when they first started jamming together, right. they're jamming on, uh, you know, on like songs like Rising Force and shit. Well, that's the other guy. That's the guy after Eddie, you know, is Ingve. You know, when, yeah. when and and I mean, I would say that you know, besides Iomi, who obviously metal is yeah. came from that, you know, and then Eddie. And then Inve, man. I mean, that from for ten years, everybody was trying to play like that, you know. And and these dudes, I, I mean, they play even faster and cleaner, you know, or, or that's what it seems like. <laughs> but yeah, man, that of course Inve was uh, was huge in that shit, huge in that shit. Yeah. All right, so that's it for another episode of the Metal Shop Podcast. The Time Capsule episode. (laughs) Until the next one, this is me, Big Frog. Me, Mike Castleberry. And we are out.